Welcome back. You are listening to Patriarch, the retelling of the biblical story of Abraham by me, Colin Piper. And we come to a most intimate part of the story, which although only a few verses in scripture itself, it relates an experience all of us at some point in our lives have to deal with. The loss of someone very close to us. And in the mix of emotions that we feel at that time from the reflection and regret and the sense of loss, in that grief of losing one so precious to us, we can discover intimacy and depth with God we would never have dreamt possible. It's one of the reasons that although only a few verses, I spent quite a while reflecting upon this part of the story and enjoyed writing uh, this particular podcast. To find out more, do visit uh, BibleNovels.com and I have got some uh, Bible reading notes you can read and we've also done some backup podcasts and video podcasts that tell the story not only of this section but of uh, other sections of the bio of this particular uh, book too. Patriarch Chapter 8 Part 1 News of Sarah's death shattered Abraham's world. Despite her 127 years, her beauty was still evident, her smile was still infectious, and the force of her personality still unconquerable. She had travelled across nations, held her own with pharaohs and kings. She'd earned the respect and adoration of all she had met, and evidently she'd been blessed by God. She'd known pain, disappointment and hardship, but until now she had always overcome. A person like Sarah just didn't die. In fact, in Abraham's mind, she'd become eternal as his gods. And this belief had bred complacency, and now this complacency and belief had been found wanting. Logically, of course, Abraham knew Sarah would die, as of course he would. But not like this. And not now. It was all wrong. You see, they were apart. Separated by 24 miles, and worse still, 30 years. There was so much more to say and do. Just a few weeks before, up Mount Moriah, Abraham's appreciation of life and love had been taken to a level well beyond the experience of nearly every man in human history. With it had come a, a sense of urgency to rekindle, restore and reconcile his first love with Sarah. But she was in Kiriath Arba and he in Beersheba. Every day, it seems, since returning to the camp, he resolved to prepare for the short and relatively easy journey to Sarah's camp. But every day something cropped up which held him back. And now it was too late. And yet it couldn't be. And he learned that up Mount Moriah, that with the Lord it was never too late. 
And so Abraham now hurried from his home in Bathsheba to Kiriath Arba, refusing to accept that his love was actually dead. But if denial came easily, peace didn't. Memories, both good and bad, tormented him every step of the way. Memories of his failures, both of what he'd said and done before Pharaoh and Abimelech, and what he hadn't said or done these past three decades. Memories of the good times, which he couldn't believe he'd taken for granted and had now supposedly lost forever. Memories of those awkward times which he'd meant to confront, but cowardice and complacency had meant he hadn't. Now he was driven by remorse and remorselessly drove on at a pace which left his two fellow travellers behind. From time to time, Abraham would turn to Isaac in irritation and vent his frustration and anxiety on him. He was the only obvious target. And yet if Abraham had eyes to see, he would have recognised it wasn't the pace which was too much for his son. He was, after all, still in the prime of his manhood. Rather, it was something far more profound. His world, too, had been torn apart by the news. But unlike his father, guilt didn't drive him to his mother's side Rather, fear held him back. Fear of what he would see in Kiriath Arba and what the world might then look like. For all his respect of his father, Isaac's real love was for his mother. She had meant so much to him, as he knew he did to her. And now he wondered what was left for him. Of course, he had his father, and they were more than one than they'd ever been. But Abraham was a patriarch, and not a man with whom Isaac felt comfortable sharing his grief and loss. He was also too aware of the ever-increasing distance between his father and mother. Something had set them apart, but both seemed as reluctant to talk of these things as he was to ask. In his sensitivity, he'd wanted to help draw the two back together, but because of his sensitivity, he feared to do so. Now he questioned what grief his father might feel. It was all lost. He dared hardly admit it and was therefore reluctant to see the evidence which would force the acceptance of it. All he could do was delay the inevitable for as long as possible. Abraham reflected again on his lost love and wondered what these last years had looked like for her. She'd probably felt he no longer needed her. After all, in bearing Isaac, she must have felt she'd given him all she could and therefore had nothing left to offer. Perhaps um, she watched him live alone in the desert with his God, fulfilled and seemingly without the need for anything or anyone else, not even her. 
more likely though she'd grown tired of him. She knew him, not the patriarch, but the man. Not the warrior, but the coward. Not the man of faith, but the uncertain, awkward Abraham, generally hidden from view. The real Abraham, who lied and betrayed and abandoned those he claimed to love. Was it surprising she'd sought to live her own life and turned her attention to her son in whom her hope rested and through whom she wouldn't be hurt again? Oh, but if only she knew the truth. Why hadn't he come sooner? It wasn't a hardship to come and it wasn't as if he disliked this place. Mamra held far more good memories than bad. Even now, as he passed by the great trees, he recalled again the times he'd spent there, the times God had spoken, the times with his friends. He also recalled the harrowing times when God had spoken and wrought judgment, but those times which had driven him from this place and caused the circumstances which had alienated Sarah from him no longer seemed so significant. He should have come sooner. He should have come and spoken to his love. Now it was too late. He stood for a while, back under the great trees again, and recalled his friends, also now dead, and his wife. He stood seemingly so very alone in his thoughts and memories. But his other fellow traveller knew him and his mind better than anyone else now living. Eliezer stood a respectful distance apart, but at hand all the same. He looked where his master looked, and he understood. He noted in particular, the quizzical look his master gave to the hillside beyond the trees. He followed his gaze to a spot barely visible from where they stood, but one well known to both Abraham and Eliezer. For his part, Isaac, though, had no idea what this place had meant to his father or what the small hole on the hillside would mean not only for Abraham, but indeed him and his children. Nothing made sense or had any purpose anymore. Everything had died the moment he'd heard the news of his mother's death. Sarah's body, however, wasn't at Mamre. She had long before left there and had settled in the town of Kiriath Arba, a short distance away, and it was there she died. The town, well known to Abraham, and as communities went, it was one he could tolerate. The people, all Hittites, were bearable. When living in Mamre, Abraham had related best to the Amorites, but there had also been a healthy respect between him and the Hittites and Anakites. They were a civil people, even civilised, and most importantly, not Canaanite. The three men therefore headed for the town and entered it at about midday. They were expected. It appeared Sarah was also well respected here, 
The city elders were lined up somberly and formally to meet Abraham at the gates. Few words of greeting were offered and none were needed. The empathy was evident and gratefully received by the patriarch who the elders honoured by leading to where his dead wife lay. Then, just before the entrance to the room itself, they, along with Eliezer, discreetly and sympathetically stepped back. Momentarily, father and son hesitated, before once again walking on alone. At first, they could see nothing. But slowly, as their eyes grew accustomed to the gloom, a familiar form began to take shape before them. An outline became a body, and the body suggested a person, identifiable, known, and loved. Oh, but it wasn't. It was all they recognised as Sarah, but it wasn't Sarah. Sarah's face spoke of peace, but not life. The joy and the laughter which are expressed through movement and warmth were gone. There was still dignity about her countenance, but even this would soon fade. There was no room left for doubt or denial. Sarah had gone. The shock was like a body blow. For a moment it stunned the pair, and apart from an immediate gasp from Isaac, they stood frozen, silent and unmoving. And then, without warning, their bodies registered the pain, and whereas before they couldn't cry out, now they couldn't but. It was Abraham who broke first. He fell by the corpse's side and mourned and grieved uncontrollably and inconsolably, much to the surprise and relief of his son, who crumbled into his father's arms and cried with him. For all the sobriety and empathy of the town elders, none were prepared for what they were to witness that day. The man who history recalled had marched from this very town to conquer kings and who, rumour had it, consorted with God himself just outside their gates. This man broke down before their eyes and wept. He wept in a manner in defiance of convention and consequently no one knew how to respond. They had never been moved like this before. They wanted to comfort this great man, partly out of embarrassment, but mostly out of compassion. But they didn't know how. So they just stood there with him. And as they stood, at first they found awkward, but then they too found expression for their grief. It was contagious. And the expression came as a relief to some who now felt able to share their true feelings, but as a surprise to others who only now felt feelings previously repressed or hidden. Time passed, but no one left. In fact, more came to pay their respects to the dead and stayed out of respect for the living. Here was grief expressed freely but with dignity. 
It spoke of a special sort of humanity, one which could face pain honestly and openly. But it spoke of more yet. Abraham mourned and grieved. He was lost. Sarah, his princess, was dead. He wept over her, and as he did, the dam burst, and the pain of the years flooded out through the tears. All he'd done and said, all she had endured, all they had shared, and all they had missed. He wept over it all as he wept over her, and as he mourned slowly but surely, he found a comfort. It was a strange comfort, an unexpected one. At first it felt wrong, too easy and too soon. But with it came an undeniable peace. Even dare he say it, a joy. And finally, his weeping stopped. The silence which followed unnerved the city elders almost as much as the grief which preceded it. They were chosen as the elite of a people descended from a hero in a city founded reputedly by a giant. They were men worthy to lead their great city. But each realised they were in the presence of a greatness none of them could comprehend. You're listening to Patriarch the Podcast. For more information, you can go to BibleNovels.com where you can become a Patreon supporter to support those working with young people across the world.